We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hayes holding it, gets it into the hands of Cunningham. Cunningham, five seconds, drives, Cunningham pulls back, stripped and stolen by Burks. Burks now dribbling in the front court, and that's it. Alec Burks with the big defensive play of the game. And the Knicks win their third straight as they sweep this road trip. Hey there, Knicks fans. <laughs> How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for a special post-game live edition slash live stream of our regular Sunday podcast. I probably should have thought of a catchier name for that. Uh, Andrew, we'll, we'll workshop it. Uh, here live uh, after yet another Knicks win. Break up the Knicks, seriously. Uh, they beat the fighting Detroit Pistons in Detroit on uh, a couple of big late plays from who else? Everybody's favorite starting point guard. Is that Chris Paul? If I squint, I don't know. It's close. Alec Burks. Uh, Before we talk about this game and a whole bunch more, uh, let me bring in my trusted compatriot, my, my better half for all these shows, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. Hey, John. Chris Paul would never wear dress shoes to a basketball game. So that's how I know it's not Chris Paul. But But everything from the ankles up, I agree with you. It could easily be him. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, one is, uh, oh, wait, hold on. Who else? That oh, was, that it. was me pulling up YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I muted it right away. Andrew, come on. You did. You're good. You're good. I, I, I good. See, this is, this is technology in the hands of Jonathan Macri. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, one guy is a first ballot hall of famer. One guy's, you know, a first ballot Chris hall Paul. of famer and a, and a top 75 player of all yeah. time. Um, you know, we don't have to quibble. Um, so we have a lot to do today. Um, obviously, we're trying this out for the first time. It's the first time we're doing a post game live um, at the same time as our Sunday show. So we're going to kind of blend blend both things at the same time. Um, we will uh, start off as we always do, which is kind of recapping the the week that was. So uh, the Knicks had the Knicks had themselves quite a little week, right? Three and one. Um, their season unofficially ended on Monday when they lost to the Atlanta Hawks. But then they came back with, I think, probably their best back to back 
performances of the year in terms of uh, the impression that it left on fans, certainly impression that it left on me. And I think most people, um, and then, you know, a game that as usual, go up big against a team that they're better than, um, and then hang on at the end to win. Um, overall takeaways from this week, uh, Jeremy Cohen. I'd say generally positive, you know, just in the sense of when you can go into Charlotte and beat a team that's in the play in tournament, you're still effectively eliminated, but you need them to lose or at least make things interesting. You go in, you do that. Uh, you get to Miami, you beat a team that is clearly on the downswing right now. doesn't matter. You took care of business. You won in, in Miami for the first time in what, five years, I think they said. So that was certainly important. It was Mar- March by- 31st, 2017, I believe was the last so, time. There yeah. we go. Yeah. And then you have today where, of course, it was a 21 point lead and you could sense it continually, continually starting to evaporate. And yet it didn't. The Knicks held on and, uh, you know. Three and one week. Obviously, it's in the eye of the beholder in terms of late in the season when the team is most likely not making the playoffs. But this is exactly what you want in terms of momentum because we're looking at Detroit, which has been a good team for they've really kept things close for the last month or so, really, since the All Star break. And we're kind of getting in this understanding of Detroit where it's like, yeah, they could use another piece, but there's reason for optimism. They have turned a corner and they look competitive. And that's where the Knicks are. Essentially, they they don't have the top, most likely five pick that Detroit will have. But no, at the same time, I mean, they, they drafted Killian Hayes seventh overall, and he has not been the guy that they have wanted him to be. So the point I'm making here is that while certainly right now, Detroit, you could argue, is in a very good position because of where they're seated. You can look at the Knicks, their track record for drafting as well and be like, you know, they can pick good talent anywhere. So not too not too worried about that. So I, I think it was a good week. Uh, contention going on aside overall. Yeah. I mean, I think when you are a team that is out of it, which the Knicks effectively are, um, and you look at late season performance, um, I, I struggle with this in, in the context of the tanking conversation, which God knows we've had many times and I'm sure we'll have many more. Um, but I don't know whether they produce wins or whether they produce losses, how as a fan, you're supposed to be upset with good effort, high level effort, um, uh, signs of high level execution, um, the more the merrier uh, from the players that are going to be here long term. And I think there is a spectrum. And I think some folks are further on one end of that spectrum than other, whereas it's like nothing like if anything good comes out of like an Evan Fournier or an Alec Burks or a Julius Randall, like it's just, it, it taints everything. It's like, if it should just be the young players and if anybody else is doing anything, it's, it's just not, it's not worth it to them. I'm more in the middle. And I think you are too, which is that like, you need a certain modicum of, of veteran help there to make sure that the thing stays on the rails. Then again, what we saw in Miami, I mean, Taj Gibson, I mean, he's in his own category because how could you be upset at Tosh? Anything Tosh does. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's mostly, it was mostly the kids then, uh, not as much today. It was mostly the kids in Charlotte. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's good stuff. Um, I see already, we, we already have a couple uh, super chats, which I'll get to, and then we'll get to, uh, I think the big story of the week, which was um, a certain uh, head coach of the New York Knicks had some comments after that Miami win. Um, we, we start off, uh, with hold on, Kevin, we can we can what? We're, we're, this is the post game show. We can dive into the post. Let's let's break All down right. the Pistons game. That's that's 
That's what we do I, first, and then we'll get to Tim's later. I promise. Listen, this is me flying by the seat of my pants. Seat um, pants, got it. Let, let's break down the Pistons game. Actually, no, I'll, I'll give some quick thoughts on the Pistons game, which is that um, before I get to the super chat, I I don't know that I would come away from this game saying any Nick played particularly great. Um, if I had to say one Nick was the best on the floor, I guess I would say. I mean, Alec Burks had the big plays down the stretch, but like he wasn't. It's not like he stood. I, I quickly had the a lot of good moments, right? It was it was a, but then you look up and it's like he's a guy whose field goal percentage in a game can be a little deceiving. Um, I guess I come away most impressed with him, Jeremy. Who's who was it for you? It'd be quickly, but you know it was like a great first quarter, and then it kind yeah. of the bottom fell out a little bit there. But still, as a whole, I thought he showed clear progression. They, you know, I. I don't love using plus minus, but when we're looking at in terms of the swings of the game and like he was a team high plus nine, that's something to consider in terms of the winning minutes that he plays when he's out there. And that continues to be the case. Uh, and the aforementioned Alec Burks, we should note the man did have 18 points on six shots yes, to go with. Yeah. To go with five rebounds, a couple of assists. I mean, this is just kind of what he's done all year. If you, if you showed anybody this year, film of Alec Burks, and you took away all of the clutch minutes, all of the crunch time, all of the last five minutes of fourth quarters. I, I feel like they would come away from it. And then you show them film of every other Nick. I feel like they would come, come away from it saying this is either the Knicks best player or the Knicks second or third best player. Meanwhile, it is those end of game situations that has gotten, have gotten people to sour on him so much along with the fact that he's starting over Emmanuel quickly along with the fact that, it all ties into the the Thibodeau of it all. Um, I, I before we move on to the super chats, I do want to have a quick quick note on RJ because um, I'm sure it'll be a, a topic of conversation. Had one nice shot down the stretch, couple moments that were not as nice. Um, couldn't keep up with Killian Hayes there on the drive at the end. To me, this is all, and I think this goes along with kind of what we were talking about before. It's kind of par for the course for me. Again, of a 21 year old learning how to be the man. Um, you're going to get some good and you're going to get some not good. And I'm happy and comfortable taking the blend of both, um, you know, with the understanding that the most important thing is that he is getting the opportunities. Um, do you feel any differently than me about that one on, on the, after this game? No, I feel similarly. And, you know, number one agenda, of course, 21 points. Got to get up to 20 points per game. That would be a very nice way <laughs> yes. to hang your hat if you're RJ for this season. But again, like these are the games where you try to figure it out. Yes, you want the Knicks to win because they are not mathematically eliminated. But at the same time, it's still trying the best you can to be in contention, feeling this feeling of like winning basketball. And also you're playing the younger guys. So that works out well. But having RJ there to work out what he needs to improve upon and kind of highlight that, like his his defense, as Benji pointed out, and it's totally accurate because Benji's a very smart guy, his RJ's defense just has not been good lately. And no. RJ has also said in the past that he really wants to be a great defender. Well, you go back and you look at these games, you see where you can make the improvements, let him make the mistakes. And then as long as he's correcting them, then it's okay. Um, but at least if there's a time to make a lot of these lapses, let it be this season. So yeah, you take the good with the bad and you just march on and let him work with Drew Hanlon on the offensive side and hope he can also work on the defensive side a bit too. Yeah. And I have to imagine um, that there is something to be said for adjusting to going from a guy who has been pretty consistently across the board, a 23 usage player 
up until um, as Fred Katz pointed out in his, in his article. And as the numbers obviously show, um, you know, New Year's Eve, which is when it turned around. And since then he's become a 30 usage guy, which is like 23 to 30 may not sound like a lot. It is a, it is a massive leap. So to, yeah, to, to balance continuing to defend at a high level, which, and be that high usage. I mean, there's not many guys that do that. It's Kawhi Leonard and he's been the most famous example. You know, you throw in a couple other guys, but hopefully RJ gets there. Okay. Um, let us get to um, the super chats, the aforementioned super chats. First off, Kevin Danishevsky, always good to hear from you, Kev. Um, man, Mitch was horrible today. Question to the group. Do you guys think there's a role for Burks on this team next year? And is IQ starting next year? Um, I think the Mitch, Mitch horrible is a, a bit much for me. I don't have his numbers in front of me. I feel like I do. I can tell you. Okay, go for so, it. So he went one of three yeah. from the floor. Four points, nine rebounds. Two big free throws. Two big free throws. Yep. Yeah. Uh, five blocks, two turnovers. His hands are made of stone. I, he That's turned into Nerlens Noel on offense, which I think when I think this is where the comment from Kevin is coming from, which is that when you compare him to what we get to see now from Jericho Sims, and it's like always, you know, anytime you have, it's like Obi Toppin and Julius Randle, right? Um, anytime you have one guy to compare to the other, you're inevitably going to make that comparison. And so I think you're probably being a little harsh. He also was, you know, was working his way um, back for I don't know, you know, how serious his injury was, but um, the other part of it, I, I'll I'll say this: let's. What do you think is more likely, Burks being on the team next year or Emmanuel quickly starting? Emmanuel quickly starting. And I don't really. Think, yeah. Well, here's my thought. Process, oh, okay. right? it, it has to do with a lot of the younger players, too. And I think that Cam Reddish, for example, had, his emergence has kind of made Burks superfluous, right? Because Burks isn't a point guard. Yeah. So you shift him back most likely into the second unit. But then you're looking at Emmanuel quickly. Quentin Grimes has to see minutes. We'll talk about Evan Fournier at some point. I mean, you know, all this, all these thoughts will be even more sure. discussed in the offseason, too. But it just in terms of guys that need minutes and the young players and balancing it all out, where I still don't think either, I don't think Emmanuel quickly will be starting, and that's not meant to be shade. And I will elaborate more, like I said later on. But in terms of Burks, just I think he might be. I don't want to say an odd man out, but when you consider all the other circumstances, the walls might be closing in a bit on what his role is long-term. And we know that the Knicks were willing to talk about anyone. And yes. the trade, of course, granted Cam Reddish was uh, included allegedly in that too, was also involving Alec Burks being shipped out to the Lakers. So I think that they see Burks as a great main, uh, not mainstay, but like um, current piece that can help them get to the next level, but not in terms of like, for his play on the court, but like using him and his value and his contract yeah. to move on from him in some way to then gain an asset all while clearing space for younger players. Yeah. I think it all depends on what the trade market is. And if there's a trade, cause they're not like going to just give Alec Burks away. I think they value his, him as an organization and they were trying to use him as an end to, as an end two way means um, at the trade deadline. It didn't work out that way. I would say, I actually, would, I'm going to disagree with you though. I, I think, cause I just, and this is something I'd love to be wrong about. I just talked about it on, at halftime. I would love for Emmanuel Quickly to be starting on this team next year. I think he's he's earned it. I think he deserves a chance. Um, I just don't believe it's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. Um, so I would go the other way. Um, I, do agree, the, I, yeah. I do agree with you, though. That's the thing. I, just, I think oh, both okay. are... I just think one is more likely than the other. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Hush, Sue. This was one of the most underwhelming wins. Feels like we're back to square one now that Randall's back. Stagnant offense, lazy defense, no energy. Something was, uh, nothing was fun except for the young kids trade Randall. Um, Yeah. I don't know if I would, I agree with a lot of the sentiment there. Um, You know, it's, it's funny. 
with Randall. So it's like he hit he hit two big shots in the fourth. Let's just get that out of the way. There was a grenade he had at the end of the shot clock. Pours in a big three pointer. It, it was big at the moment. Also, just he got him, you know, to there uh, when he I think he drove, and and that was also late in the mo- in the game. And then you know it's getting beat back door by Marvin Bagley, as as Mike Breen so eloquently pointed out. Oh, he, he got caught watching the ball. Yeah, no, no, no shit. Um, you know, and there's and there's other there's other bad stuff. But for me, it's more just like, and I think this is what Hush is referring to, the overall Paul Malaise dark cloud, whatever you want, you know, whatever analogy you feel most comfortable with that just seems to be uh, effervescent when he is on the floor, as opposed to when he is not on the floor. And like, you know, it's, I don't know, do they have a better chance of winning today if Julius Randle is not playing? Do they have a worse chance of winning today if Julius Randle I Honestly, I really don't know. I just know that I agree with Hush and that my, I like watching the team play better when he is not there. Um, so, yeah. Agreed. You know, and it also has a direct effect on Obi Toppin because we know that Tibbs doesn't like playing Obi and Randall together. So basically take 48 and Julius Randall's minutes and subtract Randall's minutes from 48. That's what you're probably going to get with Obi Toppin. And today was, I thought, one of the best games. I wish it hadn't taken until what, game 75 in order for this to be the case. But like rolling back Randall's minutes just enough where you can then create more of an opportunity for Obi Toppin. thousand percent. What? I, we people have been clamoring for 10 minutes a half, right? Pretty much 10 minutes a half, something like Uh, that. Yeah. Like that, that is ideal. So it was nice to see him kind of pivot in that way. Recognizing Obi has done well, a few games reward him with more time. I'm glad that we were able to see that this case. Yeah. And, um, it would have been nice to see that a lot more this year. And, uh, I, I think of, of all the of all the blame that you could throw at the head coach, different people have different blame they want to throw. The thing for me that's that's always going to be number one is is the whole Randall of it all. And the was there a way to get you know be more hold him more accountable? Um, you know, and when you have this kid sitting there on the bench that's just itching to play more, and you see what he could do when he plays more, it's just like you know one plus one equals two. Um, okay, continuing along with our Super chats here. Another one from Hushu. Thanks again for the contribution. Uh, now that all three of you are here, a question for all. What point guard do you guys want next season? And at what price? Which Nick player isn't coming back next year? So this is a question for all three of us. Um, what point guard do I want? I, I would like John Morant to be the point guard of the New York Knicks. No, um, I actually, I would like to know what the, what the Pacers prices for for Brogdon. Um, if there is a way, and I'm probably asking for a lot here, but if there's a way to parlay Randall into Brogdon, um, I'm, I don't think the Pacers want Randall, but you know, three-team, four-team deals exist. Uh, that would be my personal preference. It's fair. I would say one of Brunson, Brogdon, Sexton. Oh, okay. Andrew? And then I'll stick to the brand and say Sexton. Sexton. Okay. Would, would it be my call? The Tricky thing is, like, if there's a way to solve the Julius problem with the, whoever the new point guard is, then that would be my option for point guard. But it also there's almost entirely too much salary to even let me go down the he who shall not be named who that plays for the Lakers road. Um, but I look if they could solve it with with Brunson, if they could solve it with uh, Brogdon, I'd be okay with that. But also Sexton would be the I think that's the top three amongst common sense Nick fans that would like and 
as and then as available we, point guards this offseason. Then we could have a quick sex backcourt. Yes, quick sex, a, a quick sex, and maybe a quick deuce. Right. Yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> or for some quick deuce oh, sex. I'm just saying. Quick deuce sex. Yes. It's, whatever you're into. No quick shaming. grimy sex. Quick grimy deucey sex. Yeah. Oh, uh, now you just sexy. Quick now, grimy sexy deuce. You've now brought the sandwich into the bedroom and <laughs> Jericho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, yeah. Uh, which player is it? Which Nick is it coming back? You want us to give you a list? There's there's gonna be a, a, quite a. I mean, at least four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kemba's not coming coming back. I'd be personally shocked if Noel is is back. But I, we could go on and on. Um, more more on that in the offseason. Jessica, what's going on, Jessica? I hope I pronounced this correctly. Jeremy, I may need your help. Shavatov? Shavatov? <laughs> I'd have, I'm not looking at it, but Shavatov probably. Shavatov. Okay, okay I, great. If I had mispronounced it, I'm just a bad Jew. So I'm sure Jessica I, will let me know, which is, is more than fair because not a good Jew necessarily. But go on. Um, moments, I'm not a good one either. Uh, Holy Nailbiter Batman. Another great game from Sims, Obi, McBuckets. <laughs> All jokes aside about the, the deuce. Yes. Deuce McBride. I just, how could you not look every minute he's on the court and these freaking on off numbers, the further we get into the season, they look more and more real. I mean, um, today it, it wasn't as pronounced. He was even, but like, my goodness, he's, uh, approaching 250 minutes, I think. And they're outscoring teams by like 15 or 16 per hundred. It's nuts. Um, and IQ and RJ had rough spots. They were still great. Never gave up. Yeah, I thought their defense on the fourth, especially with those guys on the floor, was good. Um, <laughs> uh, way to troll everyone on your date night, John. Yes, I did some trolling, but we will save that conversation for a bit from now. Thank you, Jessica. Um, and then here's Kevin Denishevsky with another one. Just want to reiterate what I said on the halftime about Tibbs and confirmation bias. He's advanced enough in basketball to know that he can justify anything. So I'll, I'll clue everybody in on the um, halftime Zoom for the uh, Knicks Film School newsletter subscribers. Um, Kevin's point was that he thought Tibbs's greatest weakness was confirmation bias. And basically that he is, you know, he sees what he wants to see and he's going to look for evidence of the things that he wants to find evidence of. Um, and I pushed back a little bit and I said, I think he has things that he likes. And if you do the things that he likes, he will, that will be enough reason for him to give you more time. And if you don't do the things that he likes, um, he's not going to be that way. Uh, so Jeremy, I'm, I'm curious. We, I know we've talked about this before. If you have any, any thoughts on this? Well, first and foremost, uh, my roommate Ben is watching. I just wanted to point out that he is a better Jew than I am and has reminded me that it's Shavua Tov. So just Tov, not Tov. Correct. If it's spelled T-O-V, it's good. I thought you were saying T-A-V, but that wouldn't make sense. Regardless, in terms of tips, um, yeah, I feel like the one thing that happens is that, and I've seen this thought before, so I don't remember who said it, but it is not an original thought. But this idea where Tibbs creates um, kind of like a sample size and then dictates how he gets to pick and choose it, right? Like you can talk about the young players, but then he doesn't play them enough, but he's able to judge it because of practice, which I understand practice is the first and foremost thing for Tibbs, but then he doesn't show it. So we're kind of like, well, if we're not seeing how it works in games and you're making predeterminations, how does that have the impact? Like you could say Obi's not ready, but then we also don't see it. And you kind of use your like the, what's happening in the games as evidence, but there's not a lot of evidence that's there. Like, like for example, Randall and, and Obi, you would think like based on, yes, that the, maybe they'll get crushed on the boards, um, but you would at least think that that's something that could work theoretically. 
And then Tibbs tries it for a bit out of not choice, but because other players are hurt or whatever. And then it's like, well, there could be some room to grow here, but it's like, no, 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 that doesn't work. And sometimes for him, he's correct. There's their matchups that just are lineup things that just don't work out. But then there are other times where it's like, see, this is what we were talking about. This is how you could have fixed it. And you were just being stubborn. So it can be a challenge to figure out how he dictates what should be the case and not. And that also usually comes because of the fact that the veterans have preferential treatment almost more often than not. Cause he trusts them more, you know, and that's his, I think if you were to boil down um, and I think this kind of does go hand in hand with the things that he likes and like the evidence that he's looking for and all of this stuff. It's because those there's a larger sample size of those guys. And if a veteran player, that's the other part about, and the reporting on this makes sense that Tibbs has been in on personnel decisions. Well, he's not bringing in veteran guys who he doesn't have a, a, a good sense of like, no, this is a guy who could play for me. And I think the one exception to that is Kemba Walker. And it's why like, um, look, uh, we don't, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad bad evidence against Tibbs this year but the one thing that I will always go back to and we're getting close to it's about three quarters of the season um, of worth of minutes without Kemba Walker net rating in those minutes is the same as it was last year you know and that's just with Randall having the year that he has now that is that an oversimplification absolutely and does Tibbs bear the brunt of criticism as well for how the whole Kemba thing went <laughs> A thousand percent. He handled it very poorly. Um, but I do find that number interesting, which is that there's a guy we know he didn't want. All right. And in the minutes without that guy that he didn't want, it's like, all right, the team is what it is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Mao Tao. I like that name, Mao Tao. 90s style game tonight. The refs did not like using the whistles. Shout out to Israel. Shout out from Israel. Excuse me. Um, bring back Theo Pinson. I'm all aboard. Bring back Theo Pinson. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, it was not a very well. I actually thought the Knicks probably benefited from the whistle tonight. Would it? They did. did, right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. The Cade, the Cade one was, um, I mean, that was a foul on, on quickly. Uh, but, you know, we've gotten screwed over by the whistle a lot this year, right? Yep. Yeah, so yeah. Not, not it was like really the 80s and the 90s, yeah. 80s Pistons, 90s Knicks, <laughs> 80s Pistons, <laughs> 90s Knicks. There you go. Nostalgia. Um, Drew P trade up for AJ. Um, AJ, AJ, AJ Griffin, I think AJ Griffin, AJ Griffin. Um, you could probably trade up for him. You may not need to trade up for AJ Griffin. Um, I don't I mean, maybe he goes fifth. I don't I don't know, uh, but you could probably trade up for him. Um, I haven't done all my film yet on these college guys. Uh, I'm still hoping for lottery luck. Uh, Julius Randall for, oh my goodness, this is going to blow your mind. Julius Randall for Tim Hardaway Jr. and assets. Mavs need talent and Julius Randall would benefit from Luca. Thoughts on uh, Jalen Duran um, and the Williams kid from Duke. We need more talent. So let's hit those one at a time. Um, would you do Randall for Hardaway Jr.? The, does the money work? The money... What is Hardaway? Draft night. Just... Yeah, yes, on draft night, and then after that, it gets you would have to trickier. Yeah, uh, Mavs would have to throw in something else. And assets. What assets do we want from Dallas? Um, a future, another future first, I guess. Another future top ten protected first, right? Yeah. Are you making that trade? No, I'm not either. No, I mean, here's I I want to be very clear about this because I've been thinking a lot with Julius. Julius is so different from any other Nick because we are so much more emotionally invested in the chaos, right? Like if you step away and remove yourself, it's really not as bad as people think. And I don't mean that like, Hey, the sky is not falling. Don't look up type of situation. It's bad. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but solid it's movie. a sort of thing where, yes, I, I thought it was a movie, but it's sort of thing with Julius where it's like, I understand where things are going wrong, but we are so passionate about this yeah. that it looks worse to us. But then again, as we talked about, like, uh, I can't remember Dave Carmichael. I think it might've been in Sacramento when he was talking about deer and Fox and, and basically talking about deer and Fox in the way that we were talking and have been talking about Julius Randall. Yeah. And it's just like the grass is always greener. You can get a team to be like, Whoa, you mean the guy who's basically averaged somewhere around 20, 10 and five in New York. Yeah. The shooting splits, not great. hundred um, percent. Maybe he just doesn't like being in New York. He's more of a small town guy. Maybe we can make it work. You can talk yourself into that. Easily. The question yeah. then is like, what is coming back? That's the thing. And that, that's something we will obviously work on discussing and, and figuring out, but it's not this contractual albatross. I get it. It's, it's more years than people are comfortable with. But the point is that if the Knicks can do something, be it on draft night or in free agency, then the contract will be valid. It will be, it will have been worth it because of the team control that the Knicks have. And they don't have to worry about Julius Randall's say, period, because He's under contract, but I, I think, yeah, it's well said all around. I think that the tricky thing with Randall is he is a straight four 
for the most, I mean, you could play him a few minutes, but like you, you're get, you really are giving up a lot. If you play him at the five defensively, he's a straight four with shooting issues who quietly, maybe not so quietly, not only doesn't really care to go to the rim all that much anymore. He hasn't been great when he's gotten there for a while. And the, you know, I, I, it's interesting. Like, you look back at the numbers of the two years, he was pretty good at the rim and it was the last year in LA and the the first year in new Orleans. I think we've talked about this before in new Orleans. He played a lot of five and he also played alongside Anthony Davis and in LA played next to Brooke Lopez. So you have a a big guy who it's like, if Julius Randall's shot is going to be this inconsistent and his defense is going to be this inconsistent, it, it does. I agree with you. You're always, there's always going to be a thirsty team out there, right? That, that knows that they can't get it because he still is a talent, right? He's still a talent that knows they can't get this talent on the free agent market. But man, I, I still wouldn't do the Hardaway deal. Um, that's I've, once is twice, excuse me, twice is enough for me <laughs> for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, but just one thing really quickly, because yeah. you're talking about Anthony Davis and the ability that he has is kind of like more of a shooting for um, yeah. getting Julius by five and he got to play with, Drew Holiday and they were that trio played incredibly well because two, three good players together utilizing yep. their strengths. Um, the thought I also had as well that you had mentioned earlier, Indiana. I'm not saying Miles Turner is Anthony Davis. He's not. But if, if you're thinking no, of like switching not archetype nuts. and yeah. what he's able to do, like the the, per, the spacing that is provided, how you can how you can make them um, fit and match up wise, and like what that means in terms of a player coming back, like. To me, you could you could sell it to Indiana. Indiana could probably sell based on what they're giving back. I don't know what would necessarily be coming back from Indiana. I mean, again, you mentioned Brogdon. Sure, uh, we can happily. dig into that later. I don't know what the pick situation is. We'll talk about yeah. that later too. But yes, that's like, I don't want to say a poor man's New Orleans situation that he was in, but not, not a poor man's situation. <laughs> I like that. Uh, not, not a poor man's situation. Well said. Um, in terms of the the two centers, uh, the lower echelon centers, I like the Williams kid from what I've seen. He seems like he's going to be a pro for the next 15 years, uh, maybe a low-end starter. I obviously think it depends on the whole Mitch situation. Uh, I I don't know. You know, I I love Sims. I love Sims. I, I don't know. Is he a, an NBA starter? Um, I, I, maybe he is. I don't even like I really just like because he could do a lot of different stuff, but you know, is, is he high level enough, um, in enough different areas to warrant that? Um, I guess if they really didn't feel great about the mid situation, you could justify using a pick on one of those two guys. Um, I'd be surprised if they brought in a rookie center. Would you, wouldn't you? I would. And I actually would be pretty upset at the idea of bringing that in. So let's say, let's say the Knicks basically clear the deck with their centers, right? And they get sure. Mitch, they let him go. They trade Noel sure. and they are basically left with Taj as a free agent. Who's a four playing five, whatever yeah. they can convert Sims. The problem is that if you look at a lot of the young talent over the years that are like fives who have been able to start and play well, mm-hmm. it's not easy. It's really no. tough to do that. Like, so uh, I think what I was looking at, it's like Jarrett Allen did it successfully where by his second year, he was starting every single game, I believe. And he was a consistent quality piece. Like when you look at the the top three picks, right? Your, your Deandre Ayton's your Carl Anthony towns, those guys are going to start from day one and they should this yes. uh, assuming they're not projects and they likely aren't. But then when you get to the other players, it usually takes them two 
maybe three years to be starting caliber. So the way I see it is maybe Jericho Sims gets there one day. It's not going to be next year. Maybe Mark Williams or um, Jalen Duran gets there. It's not going to be next year. You need someone who has at least like two to three years under their belt, preferably more, but but not too many um, to command the defense, but also fit exactly what the Knicks want, which is someone who rebounds the hell out of the ball on offense uh, who can be, you know, has high block percentages who can have a great touch around the rim. That's ideally what the Knicks are looking for. They're not going to be able to find that in terms of talent right now, unless they find a way to age uh, any of the center prospects up like three years. And they don't, we don't have the technology to my knowledge to be able to make people that much older over a natural period of time. Um, yeah. And, and there's also the issue of like, this team's dying for a stretch five as we've, as we've talked about. Um, Which so, I, I don't even, yeah. Like as Fred said, it, Fred Katz, it doesn't even have to be a, like a stretch five guy who's in the corner or, or above the break. Like just someone who can stretch it a little bit to being, you know, like a mid range shot. 10 feet away, yeah, anything, anything, anything just yeah. pull away from the rim. Well, and, and you know what, maybe, uh, you know, Williams, uh, might, might actually be that. Uh, but I agree with you. I agree with the logic completely. Uh, Matt Smith has a question for all three of us. Gun to your head. Who's our starting five next year on opening night? Um, gun to my head. Who's our starting five on opening night? Uh, can I ask, begr- a can I ask a clarification? Yeah. Is he asking for the starting lineup or the Knicks starting center? No, our, Starting oh, starting. I think starting lineup. I think starting okay. lineup. Okay. Um, I will go. I'm I'm not thinking this through, but I'll just say <laughs> names. Um, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Miles Turner, Jalen Brunson, Evan Fournier. I have no idea how they're gonna do that. Yeah. Um, God, gun to my head as well. First of all, I guess dead. But secondly, if I'm you are if I managed to live, um, I'll say Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Randall. This is the tough one. Yes. I just I don't think one. here's the thing. I don't see RJ's not going anywhere. And I don't see RJ Randall and Mitch playing another year together. So my preference is to keep Mitch and have Randall be shipped out, but as, as would and, be mine. Uh, right. But as uh, like, there's a prediction, not a preference There's a all prediction. Right. All right. I'll say Randall. And then for the five, that's, that's where it's tough. Like screw it. I'll say a player I actually really like and would be totally fine with the Knicks signing in free agency, especially because he would come cheaper than Mitchell Robinson. But uh, assuming there's like a sign in trade that involves Mitch and you get a guy to fill in Isaiah Hartenstein. He's great. He does a lot of what Mitchell Robinson does. Wow. Uh, not wow. as great defensively. Did but not think that's boards, what you were going for. It's He's a cheaper option. Um, again, I, that's not saying I would necessarily take him over Mitch. Haven't okay. fully dove into that, but he is, he is, if you haven't been watching him, he's good. He's legitimately been a good player, especially with the Clippers. Yeah, no, he's, he's really good. Probably going to make more than they can offer. If there's yeah. a team that needs a five, he certainly presents himself as someone who could be an upgrade. No, That's right. an upgrade, but someone who could at least take the man serviceable from Mitch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Andrew. Um, RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier, Julius Randall, <laughs> Alec Burks, and Mitchell Robinson. 
going going. If Tibbs is back, there's a gun at my head right now. I got to go with what I think will happen the most. And it's the doomsday scenario that if Tibbs is back, he's going to go the way he's comfortable with. Unless the Knicks Unless take the Knicks, away any of the which toys that he has. Which, I am. I, I thought they did last year. So if I will let them adjust and then, you know, I'll have a new answer. But there's a gun at my head right now. I have to adjust accordingly. It's fair. Um, predict accordingly. Can I can I can I read a a, a Mark Berman standing ah, ovation. New standing segment, ovation. Our weekly Berman tweet. Um so he had a tweet. Oh oh yeah, earlier basically praising the how the, the Pistons have all this great young talent. Um a slew of first round pieces to feel good about. And then he names them off one by one. Um and then in his in his tweet to promote his post game article, Nick survived huge comeback to escape with win over lowly Pistons. So they became lowly yeah. over the over the course of the three hours. Mm. He said that first tweet. <laughs> Love you, Mark. Um, uh, Robert Cross, uh, first time, long time, John. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining the show, Robert. <laughs> there will be no joy in Nicksville until the Grinch is shipped out. He's like a deflated basketball. The Grinch is not a nickname I've heard for Julius Randle yet. I don't mind it. Um, oh, I, thought meant, I thought Robert was talking about Ryan Archidiacono. <laughs> but that's terrible. Ryan Archidiacono is isn't he? Uh, the villain is Villanova in the final four. Is, they they are. are. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Former James um, Brunson teammate. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's why they signed him. The, the, I think it's, so. the, it's the Brunson bait. It's the culture. It's <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, <sighs> we said this once about Randall two years ago or a year and a half ago, I guess. Got to get him out of here. And then last season happened. And now we're back to saying the same thing. And I'm leading the charge. I, I want nothing to do with this player anymore. Um, or the or this personality, probably even more so than the, the player. I just I don't I don't know. I don't know. They they need to find they need to find a trade that they like. Um I remain dubious that they will find that trade. That's Jeremy, I don't know if you have anything to add. <laughs> I think I think they can find it. Like I was saying earlier, you can you can put lipstick on a pig um, like in, in the theoretical sense of like you can dress up a player who we perceive as a total negative to be like a guy who's had a down year. Look at his year last year, like that, at least I don't even know if that's so much the optimistic route as just like how you can present it. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a funny thing because you watch Obi do well and my thought was Obi Toppins making Julius Randle a bit more expendable. And then I think like, well, Julius is kind of making Julius expendable. Yeah, I, I don't think Julius needed help. Like, that's the thing. And it's like, a, if Obi is able to take these steps forward, that's also how you can help sell it. Like we have a player who plays the same position. It, He's not going to play with Julius. No, we want to present Obi more Here's Julius and why he's on the market. And, you know, again, teams aren't dumb per se, but they can they can move around enough pieces to be like, yeah, it's it's a fair trade. We can do that. That's fine. If they, man, if they just if they could get somehow get that's why it's interesting. You brought up Sexton before, and like I have a feeling we may have more conversations about Sexton as we go into the offseason. Because uh, if they could, if they had another another guard with real with some real gravity to his game 
to pair with RJ to be the number the number one and the number two engines on the offense. And then you throw Obi out there and you have I don't I don't even know what position quickly would or um uh, Sexton would would play. I don't know who would start alongside those guys, but like boy, that would make it a lot easier. Um but uh I don't know. I don't know. We'll see if they revisit the Sexton thing. We know they we know they visited it once. Yeah. Well the one thing to add as well, like because I know that people watching or and listening now later on are going to say like, again, well, what about Emmanuel quickly? He could fill that role. hundred percent. He could fill that role. It's also the idea of, well, we know Alec Burks isn't a point guard. We've established that. Yeah. Eric Rose. I wish he were healthier. I wish he weren't turning 34. He's just the realities involved with Derek Rose. And I hope that Deuce McBride can take the next step, but at the same time he's entering his second season. He'll have maybe what, like, 30 games under his belt at that point, entering next year, you hope that he can be something you're not entirely sure. But the point is, if you are able to find a way to add Colin Sexton or Malcolm Brogdon or Jalen Brunson, or maybe another point guard, who's not a rookie uh, and who's a little bit more ready to do something, you can have 48 hours of solid point guard play with that player and Emmanuel quickly. And what's more, you can play them 48 minutes, 48 minutes, the whole game, 48 hours. Because if you add up it's all so the great. minutes, it's, it feels like hours. Anyway, yes, 48 minutes, not 48 <laughs> hours. Um, but that's the thing. Like you, we, we go from entering this season with this idea where like, there's not a good point guard. There's not a point guard on the roster, which was not true, but whatever. To then be able to say like, hey, you could, pl- you could play this guard for 30 minutes. You could play this other guard 25, 30 minutes and, like, and find ways to make it work. That to me is the perfect selling point. So that's why I, I would love it. And just to be clear, if there was a wing out there who could really who could do some stuff that you could get realistically via trade or you know move some pieces around and, and sign them in free agency, I would advocate for that person and then start quickly a point guard. I just don't, and I'm as big an Emmanuel quickly fan as anyone. I just don't know if he's ready to be a top two player on a team that is going to try to talk themselves into being you know, in the play in race or playoff race. Um, even with RJ taking another step next year, hopefully, and even with quickly taking hopefully another step next year, but you know, we'll see. Um, Joe Vogel with a comment. I have a feeling is going to be echoed by a lot of Nick fans. Obi playing 35 minutes a game was fun while it lasted. Also nice to see Randall is still the same player. He's been all year to be honest, not excited for the remaining games. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm excited for them to continue to watch the kids, but seeing, you know, seeing the vets out there doing what they do is just not, it's not pleasant. I was really, I knew it was naive. I knew it was naive. I was hoping we had seen the last of Randall this year. Oh, no. Yeah. No, same as how I like, I would like to believe just for the sake of everyone, no disrespect. I want to believe that, <laughs> that Derek Rose will not be back because I just don't see the point in bringing him back for any of the last seven games, especially when the margin of error is this thin and he would yeah. have time to get back into the swing of things. But then if you did bring him back, what that then has the effect on a player like McBride, who got to see 17 minutes today. How many minutes is Miles McBride playing if Quentin Grimes isn't hurt? It could very easily be zero because we know that Tibbs is still very comfortable with nine-man rotations. Sometimes he goes to 10, depending on what the situation is. It just like it makes no sense why you would bring him back, which means for me, like if we're talking about players on their second contracts or later, today they played three. That's progress. Yeah. Agreed. Um, TJ Akai said Tibbs literally just complimented Julius on the play in the fourth where he over dribbled and passed to Emmanuel quickly with two on the shot clock. No accountability at all. Um, 
I didn't hear it, so I'm not going to comment on it. If he did specifically comp- compliment that play, I would I would find that to be pretty pretty odd um, because it was late in the clock and that was not a good play. Um, I yeah, uh, I don't I don't really know what to say other than that. If I agree with the no accountability thing, I think he's that's again it's been Tim's biggest issue all year. I don't yeah I don't know I don't know that we need to belabor the point. Although if you want to belabor the point, I can't blame you because it is the overarching point of this next season, you could argue. Um, Robert Cross back for more. The Knicks would, would be a better team without the Grinch, period. Addition by subtraction. It will never work with him. Um, may I, look, may, you might be right. I just, I don't think they're going to do it without getting a talented, a player who can do some stuff back. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I kind of hope I'm wrong. I would love for them to move on from him and just take the best deal available. I just would be surprised if they did it. Um, but we'll, we'll see, um, someone who coming back in some manner this summer, if they're trading Randall to be a slightly more high usage guy, because we can just say like, yeah, you could say addition by subtraction for Randall, but there will come a point where I know we saw in the last couple of games, it didn't quite seem like this because Emmanuel quickly was playing so well, but you need someone to take even more of the burden. And so it's like, if you want RG to continue, yes, this is his team, but also having a very good second option on the floor with him at all times, or someone who can like take the, um, can take the, the load off of him when he's playing several minutes. Like, I mean, today RJ played 36 minutes, right? That, that's fine. That's okay. But yeah. also being able to have someone use like Randall's 31 minutes today, or maybe if it's even more, if Tibbs is still here or, or whatever, like, still being able to be a focal point where the defense has to draw attention to that player. So RJ can slice and dice the defense, get to the rim, try to finish space out, figuring it out that way. So it, it is dumping Randall, but it's not quite that easy. Cause if it were, I think Knicks would do it, but they also yeah. see want someone who yeah, is at exactly. least like slightly starting caliber at best or at, at worst. And then figuring out. Starting caliber at worst. I think you know that there. Um, SB Gorilla, thank you very much for the generous donation. We appreciate you, man. Um, hard game to watch. Randall's hard to watch. Yes, and yes. Uh, zero ball movement. I thought the ball moved, like, shockingly, with the bench. Um, yeah. it, and, and actually, you know, in fairness, I, I did think the ball movement with Randall has been worse at times. I did not think it was the worst today. I didn't think we got a ton of Randall isolations we got more than i would have liked uh which is to say we got some and there were a few more than some but we've seen worse um we've seen worse ball movement i mean they had 19 assists on i think 34 made field goals they just they missed shots um that said if this was a hard game for you to watch i don't blame you at all um he did have that big three in the fourth but he refuses to move the ball i know he notices we noticed the great movement Oh, I noticed he, I know he noticed the great movement the team had the last two games. Uh, Jer, Jeremy, great use of the word superfluous. <laughs> That's a nice compliment. Thank you. He has to be watching. He no, Of course he watches. Of course he watches. But like a, a tiger, a, a zebra is not going to change its stripes. You know, he, he that's why I, I am convinced he only knows how to play one way. And he's just going to continue to play that way. And it's. It's it's gonna look like this, which is why I want him off the team so badly. Yeah. Um, well, he just has to basically look at the other teammates and say, like, "Hey, did you win a Most Improved Player award?" Doing exactly what I, pretty much exactly what I did last year. I mean, it's all star and okay. all NBA too. Right. That's yeah, that's yeah. the thing. He he rose to a height that 
they would only hope to achieve. And I feel like he basically just wants to lean on the bread and butter from last year. But it's not it's not just the percentages. It's also he's taking slightly different shots and he's, and yes, then it is the percentages, but it's also the decision-making and it, it, I mean, it's a plethora of things. It's everything. It's, not, it's, it's, not every, it's everything. It's the overall aura. Uh, Robert Cross with one more. <laughs> I love you, Robert. The Grinch for Fox, Davion Mitchell is cooking in Sackdown. If Sacramento traded <laughs> Darren Fox, so Julius Randle could play side by side with DeMonta Sabonis. Wow. Um, I mean, yes. Would you here? Let me ask you this, Jeremy. Would you give up a first round? I'm not talking about the Dallas pick. Would you give up a future protected first to do that? The trade is not going to happen, but like, would you give up a future protected first if if the trade could happen? No, I wouldn't. Because again, I, I, with all due respect to Darren Fox, who they clearly want to build around as well. Like the, the idea of Sacramento trading Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox and getting back DeMontis, DeMontis Sabonis and Julius Randle would be crazy. Um, but even still, like I look at De'Aaron Fox and I see a good player on a monster contract. And I think you can get close to the same value that De'Aaron Fox has. For He's on a, a max, we should lower. say. Yeah. And, that, um, and, and you can find a way to move Randle in a separate deal. I, I will say the trade and I started doing film work on Fox and I was going to do a big newsletter and then the Sabonis trade happened. So I'm like, this has been a waste of time, but like, (laughs) well, yeah, unfortunately, um, it, it, we're, we're, we're complaining about the issues of building around a power forward who can't really shoot the issues of build. I mean, I hate to sound like an old man, but like where the league is going, the issues of building around a, a, a point guard, who can't shoot is just like, you know, it's, I, it's, well, you're, you're going to box yourself into that, those, those concerns. I mean, but then again, it's the market for Randall, which we'll see what, what it ends up being. 